Episode 79 for September 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. The discounts are up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. A spider example this month is Amazing Spider-Man number 613. The cover price is 3 bucks. Mail order has it for $1.49, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com and tell them the Crawl Space sent you. Welcome back, Webheads, to our September 2009 podcast. And we've got uh, most of the gang. We've got uh, Kevin Cushing, a.k.a. Morbius, a.k.a. Excellent Spider Rider, a.k.a. Happy Birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Also, aka sick, but I am Aww. still here, folks. Dedicated on his birthday weekend to join the crawl space. I appreciate it. And we have Spider Yoda, the Spider Genius, the Spider Omniscient Being, which is J.R. Fettinger from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, J.R. Hello, who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Donald Duck. <laughs> wow, that was not even planned. I love it. Uh, and uh, we have the clone himself, Mr. SpideyDude.com, soon to be up and running. And yeah. Et yeah. We have Zach. <laughs> Welcome, Zach. Welcome, Brad. How are you? I'm doing good, dealing with some drama, but I'm doing all right. Always dealing with drama. <laughs> no, no drama. Speaking of no, no drama, we have Spider Girl, a.k.a. Stella. Welcome, Stella. Thank you, and for right now, I'd like to be uh, called by my rapper name, Bubba Moose. I'm sorry. And uh, the thoughts expressed in this following performance are strictly the opinions of me, Bubba Moose, and is not trying to insult anyone, so here we go. <laughs> what up, what up, what up? It's Bubba Moose, gonna put your head in a noose if you don't respect and listen to the words that I say. Hey, 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 it's his big day. Kevin C. Ushing will be pushing you off of a cliff <laughs> with his funny stories that stick. Roof of your mouth like peanut butter. It comes up purer than water. Cleaner than that crap whose only purpose is to wipe your A asterisk asterisk. Cleaner than that tall, dark, and green. So, HAPPY on your special birthday. Fuikem DM Natala. You'll go down in history with the rest of them. You're better than them. You're the best of them. And I hope when you achieve your fame, you'll remember your early fans. And when you're eating your teas, trying to decide between Swiss, Provolone, Gouda, and Free, then I was there, me and the rest of the crawl space, cheering you on and putting a smile on your face. And who am I? Well, I am a poet, and you didn't even know it. I was that bookish girl who read Austin and Steinbeck. But you better give me respect and listen to the words streaming out of my mouth like broadband. I was around when you had your heads in the sky. I'm sick of them Pete Diddy, and I'm oh so pretty. So what the all of this, I'm one heck of a pugilist, not afraid to use my best damn. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Wow. The only yeah, thing now is I'm, af- I'm afraid that whenever any of us start talking, she's Bubba Moose is going to run up and grab the mic from us and start speaking. <laughs> uh, Bubba Moose, I know you're a good rapper, but Beyonce had the best video. 
That was like a podcast little gift in a bow, Kevin. That was awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> oh, you're not going to make me segue from amazing to amazing, are you? No, I'm sorry. I, okay. I, I, anyway, I, speaking I, of amazing, uh, let's tackle our <laughs> reviews. <laughs> sorry, that was my best Larry King. Um, 601, uh, we've got a beautiful-looking uh, Campbell cover written by Mark Wade and Mario... Lopez, no, I'm sorry, Mario Alberti was the artist. And Kevin, tackle it, birthday boy. <laughs> okay, um, well, my biggest like for the issue, always a good place to start, um, would be that scene where Peter rescues people from the fire, or Spider-Man rescues everybody from the fire. It was you know, good old-fashioned Spidey save, good fun, you know, nothing, none of this extra crap encroaching on it. It was just a good time and a good piece of reading. Um, moving on to the dislikes, uh, I think the biggest one would basically be this whole Peter's such a loser thing that we got beaten over the head with the entire issue, because that's where everything comes from. It's this, uh, he gets drunk and bangs his roommate, it's, he's got no place to live again, it's JJJ describes him as a shiftless loner who's down to his last nickel through narration, and it was unintentional by JJJ, but, you know, it was accurate. Uh, and that's probably the reason he didn't end up getting married to Mary Jane, if we ever actually find out. But getting clubbed over the head with it like that was a little bit much. Um, not to mention the unintentionally unfortunate dialogue. Um, did anybody else notice when the whole thing you're thinking about in this issue is this really bad drunken hookup? Peter says to Betty at one point, Whoops, sorry, didn't mean to come at a bad time. <laughs> I and that's just where my mind wow. went. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> uh, but really, the the dialogue was very forced. Uh, the, my runner-up for biggest dislike would be forced, hip, Whedon-esque, trying to be at least lingo. Things like Peter says the deets when trying to ask for details. And it actually took me a couple of minutes to figure out what the hell he was talking about. So, yeah, those would be my dislikes. Um, likes? Great for this issue. Yeah, I gave like- my like the, the fire scene. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, grade for the issue would be a D minus. Um, this was a flaming turd. Uh, but it was saved by the backup story, really. The whole issue um, could have been Tack- Tackle the backup story also. What do you give the grade for that and likes and dislikes? Yeah, the backup, um, I don't really, I can't really divide it into likes and dislikes because there wasn't anything I actually disliked about it. Uh, it was, it was just great to see this. You know, mature Peter Parker interacting with the Marvel Universe on a mature level. I We haven't seen that in so long, and I've really missed it. Uh, and just little things like the panel of Spider-Man holding the baby and touching the baby's nose to his was just a great little moment. Um, I give the backup an A+. Plus. I mean, I, would, I had doubts about whether Brian Bendis would be good on mainstream Spider-Man because he's so into USM, but... Uh, Get him on Amazing Spider-Man immediately, because that was fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, JR, what's your grade, sir? What's your likes, dislikes? Well, I'll give the grade a C+. Plus. Um, mm-hmm. Really, my uh, only like was the backup story, which I would give an A to. I thought it was a really nice little sweet story. And uh, I really I really liked the, uh, the way that they integrated the uh, classic Ditko uh, panel 
uh, and uh, actually showed us that it was really Jessica Jones the whole time. Uh, well, I thought yeah. that was kind of clever. Um, yep. It was just a, it was just a nice moment between two people who'd known each other for a long time, and uh, you know, one telling the other how much uh, that he had meant to her, and, and you know, in a nice, friendly, and non-romantic way. And I thought it was a nice little backup. Um, Speaking, of, of course, then on the other side of the male-female relationship dynamic, um, I was just, I guess it's because I'm old, I'm cranky, I drink Metamucil, you know, <laughs> and I have to and I have to put my teeth in a jar when I go to bed at night. But I really did not like the drunken hookup at all. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, um, I, I guess, though, we should finally be grateful after 18 months and over 50 issues, we finally have a moment that could only be told about a single Spider-Man. But uh, I thought it was just uh, ridiculous. It was lame. It was inappropriate. Uh, I don't think it was in character for Peter Parker to do something like that. And uh, we're, we're beginning to see what obviously what it's going to be a string of psychotic uh, behavior out of Michelle. So um, you know that's a that's a big fail for me. Um, I did kind of like Betty Brant's gentle teasing of Peter when uh, about Mary Jane being back, you know, where she goes, maybe she'll put you up in, you know, in a room and uh, whether or not she broomed her way back to Oz or something like that. I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, not much really else to recommend. Um, mm-hmm. I got the uh, Romita Senior variant cover. Uh, that was probably about the, uh, the the main thing that saved it for me. So, nah, C+, plus, not very good issue at all. Okay, uh B Moose, what, what? What's her name again? Baba Moose. <laughs> Baba Moose. That's a B Moose. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the club. Um, I get to call you B Moose. Okay. Uh, so, like Jr., pretty much, I was just so excited. I found it. I finally found a story where Peter Parker has to be single. Um, the positives I found were within the story. There were subtle hints surrounding MJ, um, like the fact that she knows Peter is Spider-Man, which is obvious, I think, by now. Um, and it seems that she is painted as the bad guy from Betty Brant's comment um, about her riding a broom back to Oz. So I wondered if she was the one who um, ended the relationship. Um, so the hints, those are positive in my mind, maybe getting answers finally. Uh, the negative is that while I found the hangover part amusing and symbolic of Peter's anxiety, just finding MJ and everything, I didn't really approve of the drunken hook up and I felt like it was extremely out of character so overall I gave it a C uh, for an issue that should have been about MJ, Peter and alcohol were the main characters <laughs> blame it on the uh, 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 alcohol, yeah that no yo 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 um, con, 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 Kanye did it better <laughs> oh my gosh um, and the backup story I definitely agree wholeheartedly with um, Kevin A plus I thought that was just a really touching story it had um good like moral to it and everything and made up for the the crap that was right in front of it so cool okay spice s dude oh gosh wow <laughs> is that my new rapper name yo it's s dude in the hizzle for shizzle <laughs> too white dude you are too freaking white. hey uh, i make wonder uh, bread look dark yeah you heart look alike um uh I just edited you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it only took us 18 months for us to finally get an issue that uh, didn't have to be told with that could not be told with a married Spider-Man, and it was completely and utterly crap, crap, <laughs> crap, more crap. To quote the infamous Jonah line, um, this was awful. Uh, I'm giving this an F. I, I, there was wow. I a single thing I liked about it. 
Mm-hmm. I, I really couldn't. Uh, the only thing I could find was dislikes. Mm-hmm. I almost want to give it an F minus. That's how bad I dislike this issue. Um, uh, the first part. Um, the the drunken hookup scene was like really as as as. It's gonna make me sound really bad. Um, as somebody that knows people that uh, have had drunken hookups, yeah, they at least have some inkling of what they did the previous night before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. This was just this. This was like, hey, look, Peter Parker's a comedy. You know, they're trying to they're trying so hard to make it funny because they think it's funny that it's not. It really isn't. And and, and you know, this month, I don't know. It, it just really was a bad issue. The art was. It seemed like a rush job on the artwork. The artwork was really the faces were all contorted. It was so not what he the guy had done previous. Yep. He had done so much better job on the uh, Spider-Man X-Men miniseries, <laughs> and he just didn't do well on this one. Right. Um, my backup grade is going to be A plus. Um, so it's going to be the same grade as JR's. Um, I really like the artwork. This was by far the best work that Casada's uh, done, and Bendis really knows really gets Spider-Man, uh, whether it be uh, that's, I think that's why uh, USM uh, Ultimate is so good is because he actually gets the character of Spider-Man really well, and it doesn't matter if it's in a, it doesn't matter what setting it's in, he's going to write it very well. I, I really would love to see this guy on Amazing, but uh, we're stuck with him on Ultimate, so I'll take him on. I'll take him on Ultimate, but really want him on Amazing. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm giving multiple grades. It seems like so. If anybody listens to this podcast and tries to average our grades, mine's going to sound weird. Uh, a, a on the cover. I love Campbell. I, I like that cover so much. I bought the f- uh, the poster and I have it framed in my office. Uh, the art. Bought the poster. The what? You bought the poster? I bought the poster and had it framed. I liked it so much. I got it for free. Oh well, you're you're. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to pay for it. Uh, so I give the cover an A. I give the artwork a C. I give the story a C. Uh, the artwork just, I don't think, was up to par. I think it's up to par for a Spider-Man limited series, such as the X-Men, but I don't think uh, this kind of artwork belongs in the um, uh, main book. Uh, the like is Mary Jane knows, and in the very last panel she knows that he's Spider-Man. I like that. I don't like the random hookup. I think that's out of character, but I understand it. I understand that the writers are trying to create drama. They're trying to create friction. Uh, I understand what they're doing. I just don't think it's in his character, and I don't think it's in character of the flagship title of Marvel to be having drunken sex. Granted, if you look back in the 70s, J.R., maybe you can help me out. Didn't he have sex with Betty Brant when Ned Leeds was still married to her? I mean, that was out of character, too, I think. It's commonly believed. Well, it's commonly believed that he did, but it was handled yeah. a lot better. It wasn't an yeah. in-your-face type thing. I mean, this this whole thing about Peter being single is in your face. Yes. I mean, uh, it's not. Um, you know, it's not a. Oh my God! I just had sex with uh, with my roommate when I got drunk. What did I do? I mean, it's it's blown up. It's in a big panel. It's a whole page. Exactly. It's screaming. Exactly. It's out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the in the 70s and the 80s, they faded out of panel, didn't they? They went behind the couch. You didn't see him. This one, he's in bed. He's got a confused look on his face like, oh, crap. What did I do with my web shooter? So. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but you got to understand, I mean, there's also a certain level of 
hey, society's changed. We used to be more discreet back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but now it's in your face! Yeah, and I, I agree with that. We have changed, but also, I, I don't think if Marvel is trying to get kids with their flagship title, which is Amazing Spider-Man, even if it doesn't sell as much as whatever the number one book is, it's its flagship title. And you aren't going to get kids. And if a mom, you remember the mom was ticked off that Mary Jane was in a bikini and her kid pulled it out of the library? Wait a minute. Wait till mom finds this trade paper backed in the library. <laughs> I mean, somebody's going to get ticked a couple years down the line. I predict it right now. So, uh, C, C minus overall for the first part. A on the Bendis, Bendis and Cusano. I had flashbacks of, you know, like when Peter, was have had the baby like I always think he would make a great father figure, and I think giving advice to Jessica was just priceless. And I welcome Bendis on the main title if he wants to come on and Cusada draw it. God bless it. Feel free. Um, so I guess if you average an A and a C minus, what's that? A B minus, C plus. I don't think you can possibly average the grades for the front story and the backup story on this because we got a lot of F's and D's yeah. for the main story, A's and A pluses for the backup. I mean, those are some separate grades right okay. there. Okay, alright. <laughs> We're moving on. We're moving on. We're going to 602. Mr. Van Linty, uh, Barry Kit, is it Barry Kitson that drew this? Yes, yeah, Barry, Barry Kitson. Barry Kitson uh, penciled it. Has a uh, People are, again, divided on this, this cover of Mary Jane on a little uh, moped with her very long legs. <laughs> uh, JR, JR, I know you're a leg man, so uh, let's start <laughs> off with JR on this 602. I was about to say, not only are, not only are they long, but they're thick. I mean, Jesus, that would break. <laughs> That would break your spine if she ever wrapped those things around. Oh my god! That was that, that was an, why that I was, love Jr. That was an ugly cover. Oh. Um, and unfortunately, the story wasn't a whole lot better. Uh, a very nothing disgusted me, but it was just a very average, mediocre effort. Um, this is where, again, being a longtime fan maybe does me uh, does me more harm than good. Um, the chameleon taken over for Peter. This is the fifth time it has been done in the series, and it's like, can't we find somebody else for the chameleon to imitate instead of Peter Parker? Um, and um, again, that's that's just me. I do like the psychotic turn that they've given the chameleon, and I actually thought the cliffhanger at the end was great. I thought it was just a, I thought it was a classic comic cliffhanger, you know, like in the 70s, you know, that, that even, that kind of drew me in um, to read the title in the beginning, you know, you always read the issue, and then the last page, there was this, oh my god, how is he going to get out of this one? And I, I like that, it was kind of a blast of the past, but uh, overall, a very... Uh, you know, not a particularly uh, great um, setup to this story. Uh, just give it a C overall, um, and that's my opinion. Okay, yeah. Stella. Well, off the top, I would just like to say that I'm so glad the chameleon wasn't completely spoiled by that Barack Obama backup, because I remember saying back then <laughs> that if this is how they're going to bring in. Um, a really good villain, then I'm really depressed. So I was very happy about that. Uh, my positive is uh, I thought it was a good entrance for Chameleon, and he really seems to be channeling some Vincent Price, like especially the acid pit. It was just very macabre. I enjoyed it. Um, and finally, uh, there seemed to be some wor worthwhile subplots. I can't actually remember where I was getting this from when I wrote that down. 
but um oh i guess like oh mj and harry was a big one i think um it seems like they're actually delving into some emotional um subplots which is nice um i didn't really have a negative to pull on and it's not that um there was nothing negative about it i just it was more of like a meh issue for me and i couldn't really pull anything so um i think i would give it a b minus b b minus or b um pretty much chameleon i think made it like the best it could be in the issue so yeah uh zach i enjoyed the piss out of this issue <laughs> i did uh you know I, I read this issue and i put it down i was like holy crap this was good i couldn't find a single bad thing about it and this is the complete opposite of the previous issue okay I I'm, I'm, I have it's like I have mood swings right now with like like Michelle Gonzalez. Um, <laughs> it's supposed to be a joke. Nobody laughed. Watch, um, watch your web shooter. Yeah, I know, wow. right? Um, <laughs> really, this issue the the art was a really solid. I mean, really solid. I really like Kitson's artwork. I love the chameleon in this story. It was wonderfully creepy, and a, I mean, it was solid. The story was solid. So this one gets is going to get an A plus. I just really, really liked it. Uh, I, I mean, the the I didn't get the the really long legged, you know, that'll wrap your spot, break your spine cover. I, I got the uh, I got the I believe it's either um, who's the other guy? Who's the guy that did uh did twenty four seven? Mike McCone. Mike McCone. It was the Mike McCone cover, Spider-Man cover. And I got that one. I really liked it too. So you got Mike McCone and Barry Kitson who are like separated at birth when it comes to their, when it comes to their artwork. Right. Uh, um, I really enjoy this issue. I really love the cliffhanger where he's got all the masks and he threw somebody in the pit of doom or, or the pit of, uh, pit of acid. And it just really worked for me. I really enjoyed it. Fred, uh, this really seemed like a classic throwback story that works. It's not, I didn't feel like it was a retail. Uh, now I know Jr. You know, being the old man that he is, <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's going to be other guys who are like I've heard this story before, but I, I really it, it felt fresh. It felt like okay, this is a good story. This is the yeah. this was the really good story. First, first really good story that I've liked. Um, first really good arc, in my opinion, that I've read the whole thing. But um, really, I, I like I say a plus for this one. Uh, art was solid. Story was solid. Okay, uh, Kevin. Well, um, my, really my only dislike for this issue was I thought the whole dissolving the guy in acid at the beginning was just too much. Um, it's kind of a gripe I've had with certain comics lately. It reminds me of, uh, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin, the whole Professor Pig thing I thought was just a little bit too much, uh, for these kind of comics. And I, I don't know, I feel like these writers are going a little bit overboard on this stuff sometimes. I don't feel like that really belongs here. Um... But there were a lot of good things about this issue. I uh, take my biggest uh, like for the issue, if I have to pick one, is this guy can write J. Jonah Jameson, for God's sake. I mean, yep. he wrote a pitch-perfect Jameson. I felt like this was the best Jameson we've gotten in the entire brand-new day. It was the first time I was really feeling him as the mayor. It felt like the Jameson I know what he would be like as the mayor rather than just Mayor Jameson. I really appreciated that. Um, I would give the issue overall a B plus. I really enjoyed it. I actually would have given it an A, but I knocked it down to a B plus for the acid scene. I just thought it was too much. But uh, one thing I noticed though at the end when uh, the chameleon gets a call from Mary Jane, he looks at the cell phone 
to see who it is. It says MJ, so he picks it up and, you know, says, hi, MJ. Uh, but then at the end of the conversation, he calls her Mary Jane. And I looked back, and she hadn't said her full name. So I'm curious how exactly the chameleon knew her name was Mary Jane. That one I just thought was a little bit inconsistent, but uh, it, it bugged me. But really, it was a good issue. I give it a B plus. I, I quite enjoyed it for the most part. Okay. Uh, great out of me. I give it an A. Uh, I, I, I'm, after I get done with the review, i got to talk to JR about the chameleon for a little bit. But I think this is the best reintroduction of a classic villain that's been done in a long time. Uh, my like is Mary Jane's back, obviously. I've missed the character. She's been gone for, what, 30 issues or so? Uh, I think it's just, when she just pops on the screen, it just, uh, it's just like an old friend back at, back in the book. Uh, the artwork was great. The dislike, I, what did I have a dislike? Um, I thought it was random that, uh, Gilligan from Gilligan's Island was in it. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's strange. Um, this, I, really, I don't have a dislike. Uh, that's why it's getting, getting an A. JR, Real quickly, what are the other times the chameleon impersonated Peter Parker, not Spider-Man? Uh, uh, he impersonated Peter. I think it was Amazing Spider-Man number eighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the uh, where um, I always he was framing George Stacy for a, for an art theft or something like that, and he was trying yep. to get out of the building. And he dressed as P- he disguised himself as Peter Parker. Uh, another time was in uh, Web Spinners, which is a really good. Uh, Jesus, the dog's going off now. Uh, the uh, I had the phone going off. Now the dog's going off. Um, this the, is, uh, as long as it doesn't spinner. go off on your carpet. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> She's done that before too. Uh, the uh, web spinners one by Paul Jenkins was was really good. That was a really creepy one where he he went to uh, to the apartment with Aunt May and he told Peter I even had her meatloaf and uh, then uh, in Spectacular he uh, he imperson just before the reboot he impersonated Peter and tried to get Mary Jane to uh, go to bed with him and she kind of figured that out pretty quick and she clubbed him with a baseball bat. Yeah, that I remember. And- yeah, and uh, then in Sensational, just recently, I mean, not long ago, he snuck into Avengers Tower and was going to kill Aunt May, but then she doped him up with uh, Mary Jane's Ambien and a bunch of uh, brownies or cookies or something and conked him out. So, <laughs> those are the other times that I can remember offhand. That, I mean, uh, that's just I, uh, the character impersonates people. I mean, it's it's a given that he's going to aim for Peter Parker the most. I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound. I think with the character. What do you? Think? I suppose. Yeah. Well, I also thought one of the things that I liked about this was that they found, I thought, a really good, plausible uh, explanation for why the chameleon would impersonate Peter Parker without knowing there was any connection to Spider-Man. And even though he's, if he's done it before, this was a fresh one. Right. Okay. uh, Moving on to six oh three, we have uh, Van Lenty again back, and we have a new artist. We have Robert Adkins penciling the book, which. Which looks very similar to Barry Kitson. I was I was surprised. Um, let's see, Stella, you go first. What do you think of this? Okay. One? Um, so let's see here. Uh, just straight in the positive. I enjoyed seeing Peter Parker through Chameleon's eyes, and uh, just seeing what he correctly and incorrectly infers about Peter and his life, um, and then trying to um, make him this like big man by doing all these things that are sort of evil and. I guess questionable, which is very interesting. Negative is this thing with uh, Michelle, um, not the uh, the actual like the 
not the sex on the kitchen floor, which I'm sure we will get to, but just the general him hooking up with Michelle, um, it just rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't think that would be a character that I could see Peter Parker actually um, dating. And so even though it is chameleon in Peter Parker's skin, it just it seems very odd. And the writer's insistence to make cousin jokes, which is just a little, <laughs> a little creepy, we're continuing that. Um, I think I, this is, I liked it better than the, uh, the middle issue, so I would give it a, uh, B plus. I just thought, um, Chameleon as a mouthpiece adds a new dimension to Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. Uh, Zach? Well, I really, again, I, I enjoyed this entire arc. So, uh, this, this also gets an A, a for me. The only dislike is the change in artist, but this was so close that it only yeah. goes down just a, from a plus to just a straight A. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did. I love the deconstructive aspect of the story. Um, it, it, you know, and people are like, well, you know, I, I still don't like what the uh, what what you guys are doing. I don't think the sound this looks and feels like Peter Parker. But I mean, the way they deconstructed it, it, it really goes into the psyche of what the what the what brain trust or webheads or whatever the heck they want to be called this week um, <laughs> think. And so I, I tell you, this is this is a very good, very good uh, issue. Story, yeah, just really good issue. <laughs> thank you. I complete you. I completely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so I'm very, very, very excited, and uh, this I'm really excited to talk about the next next issue. But um, we're gonna have to wait a month. But I really, like I said, this with besides the first issue this month. This was a very solid month for me. This story yeah. really sold me. I mean, really, the momentum was carried from from the Casada Casada Bendis book through this this issue where Peter busts out of the the vat of doom. So I, I really, I mean, this this is this is Valenti's best story. I, I kind of felt like he was. I kind of feel like he's just trying to reconstruct all these different characters a little bit. And give him a revamp, um, and he did. He did okay with the spot, but he really nailed Chameleon here. So, right. So we have an A out of you. Yes. We have an. What, what Stella gave it a B plus. Jr. What's your grade for it? Uh, I'm going to give it a B, um, okay. notwithstanding my my gripes about the previous issue uh, about you know the, a certain repetitiveness of the uh, this particular subplot. Uh, in this issue, it was actually handled very very well. I mean, it's just absolutely creepy. Uh, you know, when you think about it, to watch this this psychotic, you know, kind of, you know, move around in this other man's life, and nobody else is picking up. I mean, we know we're the only ones who know, and uh, you know, nobody else is in, in on it, and it's just really creepy. Uh, and you know, where he just sits there and he he just intimidate, he just uh, gets a dig in on Flash, and he goes puny puny Flash, and it just <laughs> makes it just, and you know that Flash is just seething. Yeah. Uh, I that was it was really well done and uh, I like the way he handled the stalker. I mean that is just the way a psychotic would handle it, you know. Oh, this guy bothering you? <laughs> do you have? I was going to ask you that. Do you have the issue in front of you? Uh yeah, I do. Okay, can you turn that page and I want I want to hear you deliver a line. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought I was going to get out of impression. <laughs> turn to that page where it says "Who me?" Read it from "I'm the guy with his." There you go. Re- read it. Feel free. What are we talking about? The, where Peter's got the gun in the guy's mouth. I'm the guy with the gun in your mouth. Whose name are you going to forget, huh? Feel free. <laughs> oh. like Brad just did it. 
Oh, oh, you mean to do the whole psychotic thing? Yes. The whole thing? Okay. Do, do the cold chameleon. I want all to hear right, you do it. All right. All right. Okay. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me start here just at the back page real previously. Okay. Lego, stop! Where are you? Her boyfriend? Who do you think you are? Who me? I'm the guy with his gun in your mouth. Whose name you gonna forget, huh? <laughs> Say the name! Say the name for one last time so I can hear it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love oh, it. <laughs> you do psychotic well there, there JR. You do psychotic very well. A little well, too well. A little I too well. I love it. I've been married for 20 years. I'm surprised I'm even, I'm that calm. Like, <laughs> oh. Oh, I love it. I love JR reading. Uh, you should do books on tape, JR. <laughs> uh, great out of me. Oh. Jared, did you give your grade? You said it. Yeah, I, I said I said it was a B. Okay, B, I, I gave the previous issue an A. I'm giving this one an A plus, with the exception of the ugly looking Mary Jane face on the cover. Um, my favorite line was uh, in Chameleon's voice of him saying, uh, "Let's see, uh, you weren't her." Where he holds up the Gwen Stacy picture, I was like, "Oh, that's hearts. That's pulling of heartstrings. That's that's just cold, straight up cold." I also, the Flash Thompson line tied it to also with the Who's Puny Now Flash. I thought that was so good. Um, negative, um, is there a negative? I don't, I don't have another, if this is an A+, there can't be a negative. So, uh, I'm scanning through it. You know, I don't have a negative for the issue. A+, out of me, solid month with the exception of the, uh, the misstep on 601, but the backup story kind of saved that issue in my opinion. So, is the crawl space negative? We gave most of the grades an A, with exception of Kevin gave it a D on one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, oh. you think I might get to review this one, dude? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I, I thought you already did, but he's gonna give it an F. Watch. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this story fucking sucked. I mean, <laughs> oh, great. Actually, I have no dislikes for this issue. Uh, I absolutely loved everything about this issue. The wow. the, t- the title pretty much says it all. The deconstruction of Peter mm-hmm. uh, was the issue, and that was what was great about it. I mean, he did a fantastic job. This is what a villain should do. This is how you really screw up somebody's life. Yep. And I mean, Peter's going to have some pieces to pick up at the end of it. Uh, just the examination of all of it was great. And I love the fact that Van Lent didn't, pull any punches, you know, with these uh, observations about Peter's life. He didn't try to sanitize it. He pretty much poked fun at everything we're poking fun at. You know, every time he sees another beautiful woman, it's like, oh, my God, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> but uh, it, it was a wonderful issue. I loved everything about it. And uh, like you said about the art, I saw this name I had never heard before in my life. I have no idea who this guy is. I don't think I've ever seen his art before, so I assumed it was going to be fairly amateurish. But it continued Kitson's art pretty damn well. I enjoyed it. So this this issue gets an A-plus out of me. I don't know if that's uh, Wacker's job to think of artists that are similar enough that the trade or the reading order won't differ, but pairing Kitson up with this guy... Um, Atkins was great. I mean, you aren't jarred as if the story started in 601 from that artwork to Kitson to this one. Yeah. So I, yeah, well, I bravo to the editor or whoever it was in charge of backing these two artists up. And the good news is, is Kitson comes back for the next issue. So yeah, uh, you know, I forgot to mention. Um, I don't. I, I don't say it's a dislike that Chameleon banged. <laughs> 
what's her name? Maria Gonzalez, is that it? Michelle. 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 I can't see the character, just doesn't stick with me. This is causing a bit of debate. This is our next topic. Um, Spider fans are debating if that scene where the chameleon was impersonating Michelle Gonzalez was a rape. And Fred Van Linty, the artist, I mean the writer of it, uh, says, uh, let's see. I can quote him a few times. I've got the thing in front of me. Fail. I'll edit it out. Fred says, Amazing 605, which went to the printer weeks ago, makes it clear that Michelle and the chameleon did nothing more than make out in the kitchen issue. In the kitchen scene in 603, there was no sex and therefore no rape. And I'll simply point out that in the scene in 604, when Peter comes home, he has no idea why Michelle is treating him differently, only that she is. Okay, uh, we haven't read 604. We haven't read 605. Maybe Zach has, maybe JR has, but I haven't. So just going on issue 603 from our perspective of that. Stella, was it a rape? Okay. Um, I do believe that they had sex. I do not About this necking business, but I don't think that it was a rape. Rape is, I mean, it's a sexual assault or an assault that involves um, intercourse, but it's without consent. And even though Peter is not Peter, and he's actually chameleon, Michelle Rodriguez did not say no or anything of the kind. Was it a moral yes on a chameleon side, but it was not a rape? I would like to bring up two different examples. Okay. One from Roman history. Um, the famous rape of Lucretia by Sextus Tarquinius, which actually ended the, um, the reign of the kings and brought on the uh, Republic, that was a legitimate rape. He actually raped her, and then Brutus, of course, saved us all and... You know, the other one is Gone with the Wind, uh-huh. where people actually refer to the scene where she's beating against Repo's chest and he's bringing her up the stairs as a rape. But if you read the novel, she was actually, this sounds really crude, but she actually did want it. She was very much in love with him, and that is not a rape. So I believe that this was not a rape. Michelle Rodriguez was consenting. She didn't say no for anything, and that is my opinion. I disagree with you. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, well, you're, I agree that, uh, you, you know, you have to have consent, and that's pretty much the definition. Here's the thing. Chameleon did not have her consent to have sex with her. Peter Parker did. She gave consent to have sex with Peter Parker, not with the chameleon. He did it under false pretenses, which means he didn't have consent, which to me means it is a rape. But <clears throat> even still, I, I really love that scene. Um, I oh, thought yeah. it, was, it shows that he's such a villain that he'd do that. It's exactly what he would do. I mm-hmm. mean, this, uh, this, what I said before, the villainy of this was so believable in him screwing up Peter's life, but also him enjoying Peter's life yeah. was just great. And of course, the villain's not going to think twice about, well, uh, does, do I have her consent or does Peter have her consent? Or I wonder if this is moral. He doesn't give a shit. This is, this is the chameleon. This is villainy. And also, another thing I liked about it, and I am, I do prefer to think that they did have sex. I don't care what, you know, what kind of damage control they do later to say that they were just kissing. That's kind of bull. Um, but assuming they did have sex, which we all were when we just read this issue, yes, I thought it was done very well, uh, as opposed to the sex with uh, Michelle Gonzalez in uh, number 601. They didn't do that whole in-your-face thing. They just, they're kissing in the kitchen, they go behind the counter, and we cut the scene. So... Any of us that know what's what are assuming they had sex. We're assuming that's what happened. 
But anybody that's too young to know, you know, really what sex is, they're gonna assume they were just making out under there. You know, that w- that was done in a more tasteful way that can really work on two levels. I thought it was a great scene. I agree. Um, I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. But uh, do- aren't people convicted for putting roofies or whatever in girls' drinks and then raping them because it diminishes their uh, decision-making ability? I mean, are, are people convicted and go to jail for yes. that? Yes. Then by changing appearance, when, I know this is we're, – we're debating a guy that crawls a wall. But uh, by changing his appearance, that's altering her thought process a bit, yes. like, like a roofie would. So that's my argument why I think it's a rape. Well, okay. That's a very good analogy. Yeah. yeah, well, first of all, all right. Um, the way the scene was done, if they didn't want it to imply that they had sex, they should have redone the scene. Redid the scene. Yeah. That uh, it was, it, if they didn't have sex, it was very poorly executed. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that they did. But if, if they're gonna, if they're gonna sit there and, and have to play spin control, you know, I'm surprised that Wacker or Brevort or even Casada said, um, I might want to change this. This kind of implies something. Well, we just had sex in 601. So why, why would this be any different? Why are True. we, why would we be led down a road that, oh, they haven't had sex yet. They might just make it on the, on the kitchen floor. No, no, we're going for round two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, come apparently, on. Apparently, apparently Peter was that good even while intoxicated. I, <laughs> Just well, saying. he does have superhuman endurance. Oh, uh, just... JR, what's your thoughts? Rape or no rape? Uh, to be honest, um, I really don't know. Um, because, um, you know, I was looking here at uh, our old friend Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and it does address the situation you described. There are several definitions of rape. One is by giving a drug or intoxicant to a person that renders them unable to give consent. Right. Uh, however, there's no description for someone who's, you know, doing it under false pretenses. So it would be really, I would be really curious to see what a court would rule. I would almost bet that if it goes before different juries, you would get a different verdict. Um, so I mean, I'm not trying to cop out on the thing, but I just, I just really don't know. Um, but the thing is, this, this, um, backtracking they're doing is so disingenuous yeah because you know another thing you know peter when peter gets back to the apartment michelle is wearing his boxers and his shirt hello i mean (laughs) you know that you know beyond it was if if it was meant to imply they did have sex you were meant to assume they did and for someone to come back and say oh you misread it no, no. I mean that—that's being—that's almost as bad as lying. That's just being completely yeah. two-faced and disingenuous. Mm-hmm. So I really don't care for the way for the way it was handled, um, you know. And um, I think our dear friend George, uh, in uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in our all our all nighter last night, uh, <laughs> you know, suggested that uh, really the um, they could actually have changed if they wanted to change the dialogue on it uh, to make it seem like you know in the future that it was that was. More innocent that they could actually do that on relatively short notice. So, right. kind of, you know, take that for what you will. But and you know, my, my okay, point. to bring up and, and to, oh, go ahead. I want to bring up a last point. Uh, I mean, if, if we're if we're sitting there talking about a chameleon raping raping Michelle, didn't Michelle rape Peter? Because Peter was completely trashed, and she wasn't as trashed. Hmm. I mean, if we're going to use that well, same, we saw we saw at the wedding those wedding flashbacks that Michelle was completely in the bag before Peter started <laughs> drinking his 
<laughs> eleven champagnes. Yeah. yeah, I think they were they were both completely beyond consent. Okay. Um, crap. What was I going to say? I remember once I was at a wedding and I drank two and a half bottles of white Grenache, and I can tell you I wouldn't have been up for anything. So that's <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Uh, my my other point was what we Jr. and I uh, and George last night were debating this issue a little bit, and, and George brought up a very good point about the all ages access to Spider-Man. He has a couple. He has a friend that has a couple kids, seven, eight, whatever. Uh, and the dad was thinking about having him pick up the Spider-Man comic, and George recommended that he didn't because a we have we have sex in it, we have him sleeping around, random drunken hookups, and we have a possible, however you interpret it, uh, rape in two issues later. I don't think, which leads into our next topic, Disney wants that <laughs> baggage of they're all they're all. Their their flagship character portrayed in like this. I don't know. I, as as Kevin said it earlier, we're older. We're 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 not the young targeted fan. We're older. We've been buying Spider Man for years. I don't mind the scene because it shows the villain the villainy of Chameleon. However, I don't know if I want my comics written Disney style either. But it just I don't know what to say. <laughs> what do you guys? Think? Well, I'd I'd say there's. A time and place uh, in comics, in different comics, for that kind of stuff to be done. I also think there's a way for this stuff to be done in certain comics. I mean, like I pointed out with the uh, the rape scene, that was done in a very uh, a very tasteful way that we who are old enough to get it can get it, but those who are too young will not get it. That's how you have to do it in something like Amazing Spider-Man, where it does appeal to a wide age range. Um, things like the beginning of 601, with them waking up naked in bed, where they just, you know, did the horizontal mambo, that is not something that needs to be done in Amazing Spider-Man. You know, there's, there are certain stories that I've thought about telling with uh, Crawl Space that I had to take a step back and think, you know, that's, that's a story for another town and place. This is Spider-Man. Yeah. There's a different... There's a different thing you have to apply to that than if you were writing, say, Moon Knight. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Max book to be more extreme than Spider-Man, but you know, Wolverine, Moon Knight, those kinds of things should have more extreme stuff in them. I think Dare- Daredevil works better for those more adult stories. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of being, you know, those are some dark and gritty type things in tone. You know what you're getting into there. This yeah. is Spider-Man which has that wide appeal. It has these movies. It has these cartoons. You're not watching the Daredevil Saturday morning cartoon with your kids. Yeah. You know, you're watching the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon with your kids, and that does put across a certain expectation. And I'm not saying these things should be sanitized down to the point where, you know, we can't enjoy them. They're just Marvel Adventures books. But mm-hmm. you can do things more like... More like Van Lint did the rape scene than the way Wade did the sex scene. Actually, yeah. believe it or not, you would think rape would be worse to be a Spider-Man <laughs> comic. I was fine with the rape. I agree. The sex was a problem. I agree. Uh, moving on to another topic. I think that's one. Any other final comments, guys, on the rapes, rape debate? I never yeah. thought I'd say that in a Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, the rape debate. Um, next topic we're going to talk about Hap broke on uh, August 31st. Uh, Disney has bought Marvel for $4 billion, uh, which I was, I think the whole industry was shocked when we saw this. I actually saw it on my site of all places. Bertoni posted a link to the, uh, the New York Times article. 
nobody saw this one coming. Um, and it's, I, I, I want to say that we at Bertoni was actually the first comic-related website the Crawl Space was to actually break the story. Before Newsarama and Comics I believe so. CBR? I believe so. Wow. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll ask Bertoni to verify because he said he woke up about 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, well, that's Easter. awesome if that's true. I don't know if it is, but that's awesome. Um, basically, the deal hasn't been sealed yet. They still have to go to stockholders for approval, and they have to get some, I think, governmental approval or something for such a big yeah, deal. Well, but so, anytime uh, – I'll bring up a uh, – I know a couple of things about, about mergers and stuff like that. Anytime you have a merger or a buyout of a smaller company, you have to go through the SEC and the FCC. To get approval, and you have to get approval through the SEC first, and then it goes to the FCC, and then they have to approve it, and then it finally goes through. Okay. Well, Zach, what are your, what's your two cents on it? Uh, I think it's either I think it's either going to be a really good thing or a really really bad thing. Um, if you look at the cross gen buyout by by Disney, it was a really bad thing. Although the good news is, is Marvel gained a lot of those anchors and letterers, so that's a good thing. Whereas but you also got to look at it from the movie standpoint. Marvel Studios had to borrow so much money. Now, granted, they've they've paid back a lot of that money through the Iron Man or Hulk films, but they had to borrow so much money that it was a very risky move. This gives them financial stability to do the type of movies that they're wanting to do. If they if they do like Miramax and leave them alone. This is going to be a great thing for the Disney, for the, for the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. We're going to see, I, I think we'll hopefully see more of the same. Um, on the flip side, you know, there's, there's talk about, oh, they're going to reverse one more day due to this. Look, they're probably for at least a year and a half to two years going to leave this alone. Uh, they're going to try, the, the f- number one thing they're going to focus on is getting the movies organized, getting the, the rights back, getting all that stuff taken care of, so that way they have every single bit of the characters. They're going to focus, the comics are, are an afterthought almost, right now. If I was in the business, if I was Disney, I would be focusing on getting the movie rights to Punisher, getting the movie rights to the X-Men and Spider-Man and, and uh, Fantastic Four, all the classic characters, get those movie rights back to Marvel Studios. And uh, continue on pressing forward with your Avengers movie. Yeah, um, that's what I think that their their number one focus should be because that's where most of your money's made. I mean, you don't make money in comics. Comics don't make money the way movies do. Yeah. So uh, the good news is, is I you know there's talk about them doing a one ninety nine price point. I think if they do, it will kick DC in the junk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DC and Warner Brothers. Remember DC. As as many people talk about DC, uh, D, Warner Brothers owns DC. DC is actually partnered with Warner Brothers. They're not owned by Warner Brothers. It's a really they, because they, on, on CBR they did a, uh, they did a col- column on this, a big roundabout way. It was a big roundabout way that DC was came and became part of Warner Entertainment. Um, and it's a big long story, and I don't want to get into it because I'll, I'll, I don't want to I don't want to eat up so much time. But the if they do the one ninety nine price point, and see they just restructured DC too. Uh, I think Kevin was probably going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. So they did. They did that because they know. I think the rumblings of that 199 price point are going to probably come true because honestly, it's easier to spend two dollars on a book at Disneyland or Tokyo Disney or Euro Disney than it is at say, you know, a 499 price point. Yeah. You know, I mean, people are looking to save money right now. Uh, I, I think, you know, we talked about the paper, and I think uh, Bailey, the our beloved Mike Bailey, who's not here today. 
um, brought up the the point of well, the recycled paper is just as much as regular paper because all the print media is going down. Uh, they're gonna Disney's gonna be able to throw more capital in the in, in the Marvel books, and I think that's I think it's just gonna be a really good thing overall. Um, I just hope that they don't super. They don't, I hope they don't impose too many too many restrictions because I do want writers to be able to tell their own stories. But certain point, I mean, we've gotten some really crap stories in the past couple of years, and it's just not it's just not been good. Uh, I, I think uh, yeah. you, you can thank Joe Casada for that. <clears throat> Jr., you've been around for years. <laughs> you're, you. <laughs> you're my my wisdom when I, I often go to. Um, what do you what do you think of the deal? Good or well, bad? It's a misplaced faith, for one, if you're relying on. Uh, to be honest, uh, first of all, I don't think this was a surprise at all. Uh, my only surprise is that it wasn't Sony. I, I really thought Sony would do it, would get it. Um, the thing is, you have a shareholder who owns 36% of Marvel, and usually investors like that who've got a history of kind of being corporate raiders who buy things and then liquidate them, they don't have a history of holding on to those assets till they die. So, But I was just surprised it wasn't Sony. But I tell you, I think it's better for the comics that it was Disney rather than Sony because I don't think no. Sony would have any interest whatsoever in keeping the comics going. Um, that said, I don't think Disney's going to be able to get Spider-Man back for the movies. I really don't think Sony's, you know, now it's kind of like uh, the deep pockets thing. Mm. You know, I mean, since I think... Disney's got all this money, Sony's going to say, well, if you want the character, here it is, you know, and they'll shoot him a completely unrealistic price. But um, what were you about to ask, Brad? I, I, I think the deal is up after six. I think they have a deal set for three more movies, and then they have to renegotiate. And, I, I... Yeah, I thought they had to, as long as they have something in development, they have the right to the movie. I thought that's that, how they That's had, kind that. of what I thought, but I really don't, I haven't heard definitively. So. Yeah, I don't know either. It's over our heads. Yeah. But I mean, this thing could go, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, like, Bob Iger, Bob Iger and Joe Casada haven't been returning my calls, so I don't really, <laughs> I really don't know what's going to happen, but this, this is really a case of, I mean, I've seen, this could be great, it could be awful, and it could be right in the middle. Uh, I mean, I've seen mergers where, you know, the, particularly in the financial services industries where people get up and say, oh, nothing's going to change. We're not, people aren't going to lose their jobs. In fact, we're going to be creating jobs. And then within a year, entire buildings go dark, yeah. you know, because everybody's been laid off. I mean, they're just, when you hear, how do you know a businessman is lying? It's kind of like the old lawyer joke. Well, when he mo he's moving his lips. So <laughs> I wouldn't take, I wouldn't believe anything these guys say. Um, Disney literally does have the future of the comic book industry in its hands, I do yep. believe. Excuse, excuse me a minute. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. I think uh, Kevin just gave you something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I, and I think, you know, Berryman in, in his uh, George tutorial that he wrote um, really nailed it on the head about, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see what they do to the distribution system. Um, because I can't see, you know, because, God, this is so, this is so messed up. Uh, you know, because Diamond is the sole distributor. Mm -hmm. Now, DC does not own Diamond. However, they might as well own Diamond. Uh, because they, Diamond is financially indebted to them. Uh, they uh, provided a financial lifeline to Diamond. And everybody believes, even though it's never been stated, that DC has an option to purchase Diamond anytime they want, but hmm. that Paul Levitz never pulled that trigger. Hmm. I, I can't. I can't never see heard that. that. Yeah, it's well. Uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, God, the, the guy who owns Mile High Comics. Uh, it's uh, Bob, Tales of Bob something. 
No, Wachowski or something. Chuck Rosansky. Chuck Rosansky. Chuck, Chuck, that's it. Yeah, he, uh, in his series, uh, uh, Tales of the Database, I think that's where it is. Uh, and, uh, that, uh, about this financial situation. So I can't see Disney wanting Time Warner to have control of the distribution of their products. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but just, you know, but it is an, an, an extremely inefficient distribution system. I mean, where it's, yeah. you know, it's limit, you know, in Disney, I mean, you know, they're mass distribution. I mean, they are, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll flood the market and, uh, and oversaturate it. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, they really, like I said, they really got the, the future of the industry in well, their hands. The rumor of 199 comics, if anything, that's creating competition between them for a price competition. Yeah, but well, I don't think we'll see that. I really don't. I mean, yeah. I, I would be thrilled to death if they would get rid of the 399s and drop them back to 299 because to me, 399 is, is the, the breaking price point. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, boy, I, I honestly don't see them going to 199. I would be pleasantly surprised. I'd love to see it happen. Yeah. Kev, uh, what's your two cents? Uh, well, I think meteorologists are wrong way too often, and everybody's <laughs> I, trying to play meteorologist around here lately. I agree um, with that. <laughs> but, Especially uh, where I'm from. <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't think Disney's going to make any changes to the comics for at least a couple of years. I don't think they want people to start losing faith in Marvel, wondering what Disney's going to do next. Yeah, I think they're going to leave it alone for a while. I think we're going to see. A lot more toys and video games and cartoons and advertisements and licensing and all that stuff. I don't think it's going to affect the comics for a long time. I think this um, <laughs> this dollar ninety nine rumor is absolutely hilarious. Uh, it sounds like you know some fans have really cooked up their dream situation. Like, oh yeah, Disney's going to do this for us. Bullshit, they are. Well, uh, if. If Disney was going to change the price point, which, again, I don't think they're going to mess with the comics at all for at least a couple of years, they would knock down the three ninety nine. But we are not going to see those go below two ninety nine. It's it's been working at two ninety nine for too long for Disney to just come in and think it's not working. Um, well, I mean, it, it just sounds like too much of a dream scenario. It's one of those fanboy dream scenarios that got onto the internet and everybody said, "Oh yeah, Disney would do that." They're not going to do that. Disney, I, that's. All I'm going to say, Disney is not going to mess with the comics for years to come. I mean, people are looking at, uh, you know, we were pointing at uh, Warner and DC for a while saying, well, look, they they haven't changed the comics. Well, now all of a sudden DC has restructured that thing, so everybody's saying, oh, shit, the sky is falling. But here's the thing. Warner didn't do that for quite a lot of years. It's not really the same thing. Again, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know what's coming, but I would be very surprised if they did anything at all with the comics anytime soon. I don't think they care. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach, real quick. Um, I, I, I completely disagree with Kevin. I, I think, um, number one, one of the problems with Diamond is they use UPS. If they use FedEx, they would actually get comics on time. Like, my comic shop has problems. They don't get whole entire boxes. Because UPS is so unreliable, so I think if Disney does it, I hope they use FedEx just for my sake. But number number two, I think uh, Disney would do that because it's more sellable at theme parks. Um, they won't do it immediately. Yeah, well, guaranteed it, they're not going to make any changes like that for a few years if they did. Well, yeah, but, but really, they've been set, theme parks, comic shops, whatever. These things have been selling at two ninety nine for a number of years now. I don't think they're going to come in and say we need to drop these and make less revenue first. They're going to take a long look at things and figure out, like businesses do, different ways that they might be able to 
uh, up the circulation. And if they can, if they do actually find that formula that they can up the circulation significantly and they can get the same profit by dropping it down to $1.99, then they might do it. But we're talking a good long time of analyzation before anything like that happens. They're not just going to jump in and make changes like that. Stella, Stella, what do you think? um, Well... I'm not shocked either. Like JR wasn't. It's not really that shocking. ABC and Disney own practically the entire world. Um, <laughs> things that you wouldn't even realize they own, uh, they do. And as someone who's actually worked at a Disney store, the main thing that I'm actually concerned with is how they're going to um, stick their little fingers in the the adaptations on TV and uh, the movies. Because you might think that they're going to stay the same and, you know, the writers are going to have their own um, freedom of speech, but I feel like they're going to try to change a lot of things. And the Spuddy that we know and love now from especially Spider-Man 2, I feel like it's going to change, I don't know, I think it's going to change for the worse and try to make it PG-related, G-related instead of PG-13. I'm not even sure. So I think that's where I'm most concerned is how they're going to take these characters on the big screen. So. Yeah, I I think the comics will be affected the least. I think the movie they're after the movies is what they're after. I mean, Spider Man has brought in what two billion dollars with all three movies. Two that's where two, that's where the money's at. There, if anything, the next couple movies of Spider Man or whatever are going to have a Disney touch on them more than the comics. Um, but they're not. Those aren't involved with Disney at all. Those are Sony. I know, but when they get the rights back, when they get Which the rights God back, God knows how long that'll be. That'll be yeah, next, just because yeah, they're going to try to tie that up. And, yeah, I, I I fear there's two things I fear there's a couple things I, I I'm happy about one our our character is in I mean Mickey Mouse has been around for what 70 years or whatever Disney's not going anywhere it's it's a lot better company to be bought out than others <laughs> second uh, I fear what they did with the Muppets uh, when they got a hold of the Muppets you, you haven't had a, a hit Muppet movie since the 80s. And so they sold them to Disney eventually in the 90s, etc. And they haven't really sparked the Muppets back from there. Hey, Muppets Tonight kicked ass. I know it did, but I people, yeah. people didn't watch it. People didn't watch yeah, well, it. Well, that's people's fault. I, <laughs> but I, I fear what happens to our beloved Marvel characters if they stop selling. I mean, Spider-Man's been selling for 40 years consistently. But what if it, if he loses his spark. Like, right now, you can't go anywhere without seeing a little kid with Spider-Man's shirt on. I, what, what do you think the low point of Spider-Man has been, J.R., in, over his 40-plus years? The late, mid-70s? I the mean, low point, you mean as far as terms of sales? Or, as, uh, turn as, pop, as low as pop culture goes. I mean, he had the electric company in the 70s. Yeah, 80s. and he had that lame TV show. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, always been popular, but what happens when he doesn't make a profit anymore? Well, I I, I think Spider-Man will always make a profit. I mean, I, I think yeah. the, the, this is a very successful licensed character. Yeah. I don't think you have to worry about whether or not we're going to continue to see the character because we're going to continue to see the We're going to see him probably, you know, at theme parks, on, you know, yeah. TV. I mean, he'll he'll show up probably everywhere. He'll be like a, uh, he'll be like a mascot almost, a corporate mascot. Yeah. Um, Really, it is legitimate to worry about what's going to happen to the comic books, though. Um, yeah. Because and so much of this depends on who's in charge. I mean, that, that's another reason we really can't predict what's going to happen. Because, you know, you may, may remember uh, when Eisner was in charge, he just thoroughly ruined Disney's relationship with Pixar mm-hmm. uh, and just utterly destroyed it. 
and Pixar was basically going to, you know, not deal with Disney anymore when their contract was up. Well, Eisner got booted out, Iger came in, and not only did Disney buy Pixar, but now Pixar's animation is essentially running Disney's animation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Lord, it's just, there's just no way to predict what's going to happen. But, and I, uh, the, the best analogy for the character, because I look for him to be around for 70 years like Batman's been. And there's been the high and low points in Batman and Superman's history. I mean, uh, the 80s, I would say, would be a low point of Superman's history. I'm not, I wish I had Bailey on the show, but, uh, the 70s were a peak of Christopher Reeve, etc. There's low points. Well, the comics, I think, were, were, were. I'm talking about the character in pop culture as well. Yeah, well, about. yeah, the 70s were a peak. Yeah, and, and but, it came down in the 80s when Superman 4 came out and stuff like that. But I, I just wonder what Disney will do with the character if he isn't as popular, if he doesn't sell as much. Then, then the, do, then the changes, then the changes really might be starting to take well, effect. I just, I don't know where this question's coming from though, Brad. I mean, why do you yeah. think he's going to not be as popular, not sell as much? We, we've enjoyed <laughs> 40 plus years here of fairly constant popularity. He's a huge mm-hmm. character worldwide. I'm just saying We're, that Batman's had peaks and lows, highs and lows, and Superman's had highs and lows. So Spider-Man's bound to have highs and lows over the next 20 years. But those Batman's not really had a whole lot of lows unless you're talking about, you know, the pre-Spider-Man era when you had that damn book <laughs> that made comics sanitize themselves. That was a low for Batman, but, I, you know, that was before Spider-Man was even created. Yeah. Since then, even Batman, you know, has not mm-hmm. really gone down in popularity. But we're, we're predicting so far out, it's, it's just debate. So. Well, okay, and I want to bring up one final point. Yeah, let's, let, you get the last one. Let's wrap it up. Let's move okay. on. Okay, um, the 199 price point, it'd be different if it was just like her on some bleeding cool Rich Johnson's fairly reliable. I mean, he does have inside sources at Marvel. So I kind of trust him. That's the only, I, I think that's the only reason that, that that rumor even got credence, Kevin. I know, well, I know. Did, what was his... What was his meat? I haven't read Bleeding Cool really. I used to read Lying in the Gutters, and he had those, you know, green light, yellow light, red light. I don't yeah. know if he still has that, but what was the what was the gauge on this exactly from him? Uh, he said it was a fairly good possibility, is what he, according to the sources that he's talked to. It just uh, sounds so friggin' ridiculous to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hang on, let me, let me, I'm looking it up right now just to, just to verify. But I mean, from what I read in the article when I originally read it, it, it seemed like he was he was. Uh, well, and it's it's very possible that it was, you know, a good source he got it from that people have talked about it. But just because people have brought it up doesn't mean it's even going to be given that much consideration. Yeah. Well, okay, follow – here's his quote. Follow me here. Publishing makes millions. Marvel films and related licensings can over time make billions. If based on by a good, by the good thing towards comics, the media buy into the fans' buzz. The A-list actors are willing to take lower salaries to be in something cool. The genuine enthusiasm experience that is infectious to the mass market. If comics get into – he's talking about if they get into expensive, the casual man may drift away. Like a lot of, a lot of people have with this 399 price point on all the popular books. So it says lose a million, make a billion, not just speculation. I understand it's being seriously discussed by, at the publisher now. Okay. And it might be just for Marvel's reluctance to go below 199 for digital downloads of single issues. Moot, making them support the 99 cent model rapidly becoming the more the norm for downloads. So that's his direct quote. Okay. 
On that note, we're moving on to uh, this month in spider history. And thanks again to Eric over at SamRuby.com for helping us out with this. Uh, September 1987, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 292 came out. It was the issue where Mary Jane accepted Peter's proposal for marriage. It was written by David Michelinie, artist Alex Savick. And also that came out this month is Spectacular Spider-Man 130, which uh, was called 24 Hours, had the Hobgoblin in it, written by Bob Layton and Jim Fern. I never heard of Jim Fern before. And let's see, the other issue that came out this month was Web of Spider-Man number 30, written by James Owsley, a.k.a. Oh, Christopher Priest, right? Yes. And artist Steve Geiger, which has a uh, rose on the cover. Uh, bent over, and it's kind of a follow-up to that. That's the origin of the Rose issue. It's a follow-up to the Spider-Man versus Wolverine one-shot. So, JR, was this a good month? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yes, uh, yes, and no. Um, first of all, I did. I loved uh, 291 and 292 Amazing because yep. I had always been a fan of Peter and Mary Jane getting married. Um, even even back in the seventies, when I was had a delusion delusional idea of doing fanfic, uh, I always had them in a quote unquote committed relationship. It just seemed to be the natural thing. Uh, I liked the fact that Peter, I liked that he left New York City to follow her out to Pittsburgh because she had an issue and she needed help. She needed a shoulder to lean on. And I'm you know and I'm glad that the character finally said, "Screw it, the Fantastic Four and the Avengers can deal with this. I'm going to deal with somebody who needs me." Yep. So I like that. I like the fact that he got involved with her sister and with her family. Um, you know, I, I I don't know why that didn't happen in the, in later issues. I mean, I really thought that added some dimension and some depth to this relationship, and also added additional characters that could have had you know things ha- have been used in the future. So I really like that. I like the fact that she clubbed the uh, she came to the Mary Jane came to his rescue and clubbed the. Uh, the Slayer with a, a baseball bat. <laughs> so yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed that issue. Um, spectacular. Was, was the villain, I'm sorry, was the villain the son of Alistair Smythe? Yes. yes okay, it was. got it, got it. Okay, yeah. go ahead with that. Uh, yeah. Spectacular 130, however, was one of the worst Hobgoblin stories ever told. It was uh, clearly a fill-in issue. It was just a horrible story of basically uh, the Hobgoblin, Hobgoblin poisoning Harry so he could get Peter's attention, so Peter would go to Spider-Man and, you know, face the Hobgoblin. And it's like, wait, why didn't you just send the poison bomb to, to Peter Parker? Well, <laughs> you know, that was never. But it was, oh, I sent it to Harry because I knew he'd tell Peter who would tell Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a horrible story. How about Webb? Uh, Webb is interesting, because not so much as because it's the origin of the Rose. Actually, it's the origin of the Ned Leeds Hobgoblin in a way. Because as the story is being told by Richard Fisk, he brings Ned Leeds into it. And you basically you see the first time that Ned shows up in this hobgoblin costume, you know, and says, Hey, look what I found and this is what I've got and what and, and the fact that he and Ned and Alfredo all get together and think that they're actually going to be doing something good. Uh, but then it starts to all fall apart as Ned appears to start going crazy and become more unreliable. Um, so really it was kind of more interesting from the perspective that we saw some insight into the Ned Leeds Hobgoblin, which of Mm -hmm. course now has been undone. So, uh, it was, it was an okay month. It was highlighted by one good issue, one average issue, and one, uh, utterly craptastic issue. Not much has changed. 
<laughs> exactly. It was interesting though that only three Spider-Man comics came out that month. I know. I, when I went back to the when I went to the link that you posted, I thought, gee, that was a pretty low month. Usually he's appearing in half a dozen team-up books, guest starring, and making cameo appearances everywhere. Yeah. So. Zach, you said you've read them. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, I've not read the web, web of or the spectacular Spider-Man 130, but I did want to bring up. I did read uh, 292, and I, I want to echo a lot of what Jr. said. Really good artwork by Alex Savick. I had to kind of look at it um, again, and uh, and this was his. I think this was one of his very first works on Amazing Spider on on Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the artwork. I enjoyed the way. I enjoy the way Peter went to Pittsburgh, and I loved how, you know, uh, I, I love the writing. Um, I think uh, I think it was a good, uh, you know, we talked about earlier about uh, how, uh, uh, I forgot this was Michelini. I kept thinking it was DeFalco when I first read it, but this was just really insanely good. I, I really yeah. liked, I really liked this issue. Um, I liked how uh, Mary Jane handled the situation better. I mean, she, she her father... Uh, to, to give kind of a paraphrase of the story, her father was a, was a really cruel and inconsiderate man. And her her sister was in jail. Um, her father kind of framed her, and then she uh, uh, and she took the fall for him. And then Mary Jane ends up getting the cops to show up, and the cops actually arrest her father and clear her sister of all charges. Right. Um, it reads really well in the amazing in the Amazing Spider-Man Facing Tiger. You just hit the jackpot tele- trade paperback, which had a uh, this issue, the following issue, I believe, mm-hmm. and it had the uh, Parallel Lives graphic novel right. to go with it with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50 or 491, whichever uh, one you want to call that, it. But that was more Savic art, too. Yes, and yes. Th- this, this issue probably led him and the Parallel Lives uh, graphic novel to get the web job, which he got in February of 88. Yes, yeah, so. And it's funny. It's kind of like I kind of view this issue as is, is, is this is Savick, Savick's Romita Junior era kind of kind of thing, where the yeah. way the artwork looked, and then he, he changes styles and goes back back more to a classic Romita Senior in the Parallel Lives graphic novel, which was great. So that's funny. I forgot that this was reprinted in that graphic novel. It just came out. Yes, sir. All right. Let's see. We got to do recommendations now, don't we? Let's hit Stella up. What do you recommend this month, girl? <laughs> Well, for a literature recommendation, I'm going to recommend a book that I recently finished called The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. It is a recent novel. Um, it's in the perspective of a dog, and in the beginning he's dying, and he sort of goes through his life and shows how he connected the family and um, was really close to his master and everything. And this Art of Racing in the Rain gets its title from uh, his master is a race car driver, and he was one of the best that knew how to drive in the rain. And there are always these, like, middle chapters that are comparing racing and then how you deal with life. Um, and it was really good. It was really insightful and funny at some times. Um, if, you're on, if you're my Facebook friend, you notice that one quote I had up there was, um, give me back my thumbs, you effing monkeys. Uh, the dog <laughs> just really wants his thumb back, and he believes that the – um, that men actually evolved from dogs, and so the the monkeys took the thumbs. So I will recommend that as a book. And I've recently gotten into Lost. I know this is sort of an old thing, but I really highly recommend that. I'm just trying to catch up before the last season comes out. And did you, as did a you little, start, did you start yeah, with season one uh, DVD? Um, actually, ABC.com has 
seasons one through four all on it. Oh, so okay. I started cool. this summer, and so now I'm on season four. The only like episodes. So That's if you don't I have season five, I'll have to I'll have to buy that DVD. I think I'm so desperate to like get caught <laughs> up that I'll buy it when it comes out and then yeah. watch it live when it comes out uh 2010. Cool. And then. Um, the other thing I want to recommend last month, but I forgot, was a movie called 500 Days of Summer. And I know some guys are, like, not into chick flicks. And I wouldn't even consider this a chick flick. The reason why I loved it so much is it was so um, unconventional. It wasn't really a love story. It was sort of heartbreak and everything. And it was just – it was a wonderful movie. So I really recommend that. I think guys and girls would really like it. So those are my recommendations. Kevin? Uh, I've actually not delved into any of my mail-order comics box from the month except for the Spider-Man issues. So this month I've got three shows and a book. Okay. Um, although, really, it's just one new recommendation, and then I'm renewing three of them. <laughs> but uh, I recently got into Arrested Development. A friend of mine showed me the premiere of that show, and I started watching them on Hulu, and when they took... Hulu just recently took season three down, I guess, because nobody was buying the DVDs, so I bought the DVDs and almost finished with that. It is a hilarious show. I'm not a big fan of most sitcoms, but that's just kept me laughing the whole way through. Um, if you're easily offended, you might not like it, but it's it's a very good show, and I'd recommend it to just about anybody. Um, then some things I'm just kind of reminding you about that are coming back around. Fringe just had its second season premiere this past Thursday. And they've not lost anything from season one. The season premiere was great, and it looks like we're going to be off to a great start for a second season. You can uh, pick up the first season on DVD or Blu-ray right now. It's well worth it. Great show. Um, and I think actually just last month, possibly, I recommended Dark Blue uh, show on TNT, new show. Uh, first two episodes sucked, but the, the rest of the series has been just fantastic and uh, I watched the season finale last week, and they mentioned that starting this coming Wednesday, they're going to rerun the entire uh, first season from the beginning. So you can catch it from the beginning again on Wednesdays. I recommend that. Just remember the first two episodes suck. Give it a chance. A, f- um, a, f- a fringe? A fringe? Of Dark Blue. Dark Blue, okay. Got it. Dark Blue, yeah. It was just, it had I a wish, pretty crappy I, I, wish they would, I wish they would rerun Fringe because they didn't yeah. rerun any of them. I think it might be on Hulu. I don't know if the whole thing is still there, but I know when I first got into Fringe, I watched the pilot, didn't like it, dropped it, and then I ended up catching up on Hulu before the mid-season, and it was great after the pilot. Yeah. Um, my last recommendation, I recommended probably, I don't know, a year or two ago, uh, Dean Koontz's Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. book three, the end of the trilogy, just came out in July. And I just finished reading that this week, and I've got to recommend that whole trilogy again because that was just an excellent book series, probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite actual series of all time. It was a great ending, and that last book just really kept you turning the pages because you had to find out what was next. So anybody that's interested in any kind of supernatural, character-driven, you know, any of that stuff, just a great series of books, you should check it out. Okay, I've been texted that Zachy needs to pee. So, Zach, <laughs> go ahead. Go so you can go to the bathroom. Or have you already gone? I think he's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> he reckon, reckon... Damn it, I forgot about the damn mute button. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, my recommendation. Facey Tiger, you just hit the jackpot trade paperback. It is by far my favorite trade paperback. It's come out in a long, long time. That's Marvel-related. Um, if you've not read the, par- the graphic novel Parallel Lives, 
do it now. If you can get a hold of this trade paperback, it's the first time it's been ever reprinted. It's never been reprinted outside of uh, its original print run. Very good. Um, explains a lot. It also includes the Untold Tales of Spider-Man issue number 16, which has a lot, a couple of scenes that are literally taken word for word from the Parallel Lives graphic novel, making that officially canon. Um, uh, good artwork by Savick. Uh, good good uh, writing by Conway. Um, really just a good job. Um, another, uh, I'm also going to make a Blu-ray recommendation. If you uh, have a Blu-ray like Stella, myself, and, and, uh, and Brad hey. do. Me, me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Kevin, if you've not got uh, Wolverine on Blu-ray yet, do it now. It looks beautiful. Mm. Uh, uh, actually, I just saw, I might take advantage of this, Amazon.com is running a deal. You can get the entire X-Men trilogy and Wolverine on DVD for just 60 bucks for all four. Oh, wow. I mean, on, oh, wow. On and that's pretty damn good for four Blu-rays. That's like 15 yes. bucks a piece. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's a very good rec- uh, Um Like I say, I also got a, uh, I, I've also got a 46-inch LED 120 hertz Samsung, which is the the brother of uh, what Brad got the 52 inch. Uh, the only difference is his LCD TV from a different brother mother. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, I've got a 46 inch LCD. So okay, and now we're just us. now we're just bragging. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean this thing this thing is like literally a a, a quarter a quarter of an inch thick. It's yeah. very thin. Yeah. It's very are we still thick. talking about uh, TVs? <laughs> Fine, Stella. <laughs> I won't play Ultimate Alliance 2 with you on my new TV. I'm going to be like, ha-ha. That's <laughs> okay. Right. I've got a bunch of other friends. Any, anything else to recommend? <laughs> Do you recommend uh, the bathroom? Yes, I recommend the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll see you on the next part of the show. All right. my uh, JR, I almost skipped over you. Go ahead, JR. Actually, that's okay. I, I Actually, I've had a pretty boring month. I haven't had any or I don't have any recommendations, but I would like to make one observation. Okay. That whenever Stella starts talking about movies and books and when she was talking about the, the rape of St. Quintus and Ninus or whatever back in Rome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Have you guys ever seen the movie A Boy Called Charlie Brown? Yeah. Okay, the first scene where Lucy and Linus and Charlie are all looking at the clouds, and Lucy asks Linus what he sees, and, oh, I see the stoning of Stephen, and this looks like another scene from history, and this looks like a scene from literature, and Lucy goes, Charlie Brown, what do you see? Well, I was going to say I saw a horsey and a ducky, but I changed my mind. (laughs) And that's how I always feel after, you know, Stella talks about something, and it's like I feel like I'm going to be talking about a horsey and a ducky in comparison. But no, I don't have any recommendations this month, so just go on. I couldn't put it any better. I see horsies and duckies, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to touch that one. I thought you were in the bathroom. You need to touch it. Uh, Oh, my word. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Don't pull a Salby Sima and take a piss on the show. No, that uh, was Ron French, you idiot. Come on now. Uh, oh, shit. Sorry. I'll edit that out. Sorry. <laughs> what? Our, all right. My recommendations. Um, two video games. The first one I think I recommended last month, which was Arkham Asylum. I still dig that game so much. I can't recommend that highly enough. If you have an Xbox or if you have a PlayStation, pick that up ASAP. This Marvel geek tells you to do it. Uh, and Stella can attest Mar- Marvel Ult- Ultimate Alliance 2. It's, uh, we're, we're having fun with it. I like, I think I like the online mode than I do the actual gameplay. I, I'd probably give it a B- for a game. Stella, what do you think of the, of the game? 
I yeah, I think I would agree with you. For some reason, I actually like the first one a little bit more, even though this, like, the second one is practically the same thing as the first one. Yeah. But a lot of it seemed really forced. Like, for some reason, the first act, like, the characters seem really heavy, and the movements aren't as good as before. And I think with such a great storyline that Civil War was, in my opinion, this should have been, like, a kick-ass game, and I'm sort of disappointed with it. So. See, I, I'm sort of disappointed, too, but you know what I do enjoy is playing with you because I, I've never done that online played uh, co-op mode or whatever they call that. And I, I yeah. just think that's kind of cool that yeah, you was, can play yeah. with your friends. And it, I have to tell a funny story about Stella. Uh, we, we were playing through it, and we unlocked Iron Fist together. <laughs> And all of a sudden, my screen goes to the menu, and somebody's changing out their character as soon as we opened up Iron Fist. So I'm like, oh, I know what she's doing. Yep. <laughs> but uh, it's fun. It, it's uh, I, I look forward to some uh, fellow crawlspacers to team up and play this co-op mode online. It's kind of fun. So that's another excuse for Kevin to get a, a PlayStation 3. <laughs> Anyway, that's my recommendations. Uh, oh, I'm going to give one more. I gave two video games. I'm going to give a TV show, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, I can't recommend that show highly enough. There's some doubt if it's going to get a third season with the merger of um, Disney and Marvel because Sony gave the rights back to um, uh, to Marvel, and I, they, it's up in the air if it's going to be uh, picked up, etc. And I think the more... People that watch it will uh, encourage Disney slash Marvel to keep this show alive because I think it's by far one of the best Spider-Man animated series that's ever been put on the air. So Spectacular Spider-Man, it's on Disney XD, so please watch that. And we're going to wrap up the episode right about there. We have one more with the regular gang where we answer your message board questions. I also have two episodes with the crew from the Spectacular Spider-Man animated series. I talked to producer Greg Weissman and voice actor Josh Keaton, a.k.a. the voice of Spider-Man. So look for those over the next couple days. Now before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for sponsoring all the shows this month. An example of their great prices is Amazing Spider-Man number 611. The cover price is 3 bucks. Mail order has it for $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Gang, I'm your host, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Talk to you soon. <laughs>